You're listening to Life and Leadership, A Conscious Journey, the podcast that shares wisdom and strength. Join your host, Dr. Michelle St. Jane's weekly conversation on how to have a positive impact for people, planet, and the wider world. If you want to live a life of intention, be proactive with your time, and bring your vision for the future to life one today at a time, you are in the right place at the right time. Let's get started. The featured guest today is Glenn Allen. He is a digital course launch specialist, marketing consultant, and the host of Unstuck and Unstoppable, a podcast. Ben's work is primarily in the area of industry and thought leaders. I really appreciate his presence in the world because I'm passionate about re-emerging leaders, those who've had successful careers, but they no longer satisfy, those who choose to retire and or redeploy in more satisfying streams of life. They wish to flourish and share their wisdom in new and authentic ways. So if you're ready to move on from your day job, Glenn is the man with a lot of wisdom for this podcast. Glenn, welcome. I'd love for you to share your story, how you got into this. Well, thank you for having me on. How I got into this, that's an interesting roundabout. You know, I think a lot of people's careers and the things they do in life are very non-linear. It's very, very infrequently that you hear somebody say, well, I always want to do this. And then I did that. My story is no different. I did always want to be a musician, came from a musical family. And I started out, I went to Berkeley College of Music in, in Boston, and I was gigging around New York City and in California. And to pay the bills, I ended up you know, teaching quite a bit. And I got stuck in an eight by 10 room, you know, it started to become like a 40 hour a week and longer thing where I was seeing the same things over and over. And I just wanted to make more money. And I realized, you know, a big chunk of my money went towards the place I was renting to teach. And I could only really go so far. So I wanted to scale what I was doing. And I realized the results I was getting, it was causing me to become overbooked and push people away. So I knew there was an opportunity to make more money teaching and coaching people through music. I was helping people get over a lot of limiting self-beliefs about, you know, I'm too old, or I heard that if you don't start when you're a kid, you, you'll never be this great. And I was, I was debunking all these myths that people had about what they could and couldn't accomplish in music. And I didn't realize it, but I was actually coaching at the time. And that's why I was becoming so successful with, with getting results. So I thought, you know what, I'll make a YouTube channel and I'll just start making tutorials and I'll, I'll try to figure out how to make a living doing this. And I don't really know exactly how to monetize this yet. I just figured I'm just going to create a YouTube channel. This is, you know, 2007. And so I learned how to create content that was interesting to people and then lead people back to my email list through offering, you know, transcriptions and different freebies and get them in my email world and start, you know, offering them through an automated email nurture sequence, an ebook that I had written on songwriting. Cause a lot of the content I was creating was about writing songs and creating music. And it did, it was like a $7 ebook. And I spent, I think like six months creating content for this and writing this, this ebook. And I was like, this is going to be the thing. And when I went to sell it, I made like a whopping $70. So all that time and energy went into that. And it felt, you know, it wasn't exactly a failure, but it taught me a lot about marketing and about, you know, info products. And people started asking me, you know, how did you set up your your YouTube channel? How did you, you know, how do you create these email automations? What, what are you using to process payments? All these different things like that. And I started freelancing and marketing. And what I found was that same creative energy that I got from writing music and performing, I was getting that same joy out of creating these marketing campaigns and creating, you know, worksheets and websites and, you know, all these sales funnels and all this 
digital marketing content. And so fast forward a while after freelancing and, and doing it in a few jobs, I ended up landing an absolute dream job with a leadership development, coaching, consulting, and training firm where I took you know their entire workshop series and we started creating digital info products, digital courses, virtual coaching and membership site, things like that. And I started coaching on the side and consulting on the side, helping people launch their digital courses as people started to seek out, you know, how are you doing this? And I got more and more involved in it. And all, you know, all this time I'm investing heavily. Like I'm obsessed with digital courses. I've spent tens of thousands of dollars on them. And this, this dream job of mine, they were bankrolling that obsession. So that was wonderful. And I'd still be there today if not for, well, I don't know if I'd still be there today, but I'd likely still be there today. COVID kind of pushed me out the door. I'd always planned on going solo, but it was kind of like, okay, kid, you know, you're on your own. You got to do this because, you know, the, the business took a big hit. And I, I saw that as my opportunity. I'm like, well, I don't think I want to stick around and wait to get furloughed. So I said, this is my opportunity. I'm going to jump. And so, yeah, in a roundabout way, I went from a musician to a marketer. And now I help Emmy award-winning musicians, songwriters, people who produce and write music for film and TV, as well as other creatives like videographers and authors, best-selling authors, photographers to create info products that scale and sell, you know, their expertise. So given you're a man who likes to jump, tell me about parachuting. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. <laughs> yes. So when my when my buddy turned 40, that was a couple of years back, maybe two years ago, we went to Utah to Zion National Park and we decided to parachute. And I think of parachuting as as sort of this analogy for for making that leap into a new career or, you know, going full-time in a business, you know, something like that. And the reason I look at it that way is because, you know, when you parachute, you're not allowed to do it on your own the first time. You have to tandem or you have to take a bunch of training. So my first experience, I remember I was fearless about it. I was like, this is going to be fine. This is going to be great. Until that moment, I actually got up into the plane. It was like, I thought it was going to be like what you see on TV where they have these big jets and there's a bunch of people in there all at the same time. And they're all getting ready. And they're all psyching each other up. No, you go up in this tiny little feeder plane. Its walls are really thin. You feel every little bump and every move along the way. It, it feels kind of like a roller coaster. And once it gets to a certain height, you're like, okay, that's high enough. That seems like what I'm going to jump from. And then they keep going several thousand more feet. And you're in like... I think they called it the pollution layer. You can see like the curvature of the earth and you look down and you think you're going to make out like buildings. No, the mountains or the canyons below me look like dots and pepper. It was really hard to make out. And so that moment that door swung open, I remember my heart just sank. I knew that I wanted to do this, but I didn't want to do it. And if it wasn't for the fact that that instructor with me basically just forces you out of that thing you know, and he tells you what you need to do. And he, he anticipates the fact that you're going to be freaked out. He anticipates the fact that you're not going to want to move. And he's there to like, keep you on track because you're, you're too busy worrying about, you know, what's going on and feeling the, the free fall. He tells you the moment where you got to, you know, he puts his arm over your shoulder and points down at your rope and tells you to, you know, pull your cord, you know, without that kind of thing, you just feel like you're plummeting. That's how I feel about, you know, why people should have, if you're going to make big leaps, you should always have a coach or a consultant. You know, my big jump into entrepreneurship required somebody just like that, where she just basically just kicked me out the door. You ready? You're running Facebook ads. I am. <laughs> it just, 
if you're not going to jump, somebody has to push you sometimes to just get you past that fear. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you also talk about how you almost died on a jump. Like, yeah. like crystallize things for you, bring you clarity. Well, so what's, what's funny is, you know, we practice in the air. They, they, the man shows you, you know, the man or woman who takes you down, they show you how to practice landing while you're in, in, in midair. And so you have these, these straps, but they have straps above that they can kind of take the reins back if you're not doing it right. But what's crazy is you've know, got the parachute above you. It's, it's holding the air pressure. You're looking out at the, you know, the horizon. And there's a part, point where you kind of feel like once that parachute's deployed, you kind of feel like you're just suspended in midair and you're walking on glass and you're looking down at a glass floor. It's the weirdest feeling. Everything's still once, you know, you're done with the free fall. And so you practice pulling down the straps to your legs and kicking your feet out because that's kind of how you land. And when that happens, you hear, which is your parachute basically not engaged. So you're back in a free fall and it's freaky. You feel like it's never going to come back up. So we practiced this thing. And essentially what happened was, you know, I thought I had it. I watched my friends all go in front of me and they all kind of, they didn't quite time it right. And so they tumbled forward and hit hit the dirt. I said, that's not going to be me. I'm going to time it right. But I, I, I timed it right, but I didn't let off I, quite at the right moment. And basically, like, my friends are just watching me from the side, and I see the landing strip coming at me. And all of a sudden, I see myself just veering 10, 15 feet off of the landing strip into the hard ground. And all of a sudden, we just went, boom, just smacked our butts straight on the ground. And if it wasn't for that instructor who ha- had a sense of what was going on, and he kind of, he kind of like rolled us forward really hard you know, we probably would have broken our legs or could have even gotten paralyzed. And so, you know, again, it's it's just another reason why you have that other person there to help you, you know, to anticipate things that might come. But what's great is, you know, it was a bumpy landing, but nobody was injured. We got through it. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, if I can do this, and you know, something that was like really, really scary, I can, I can start my own business. Because those two things coincided. The timing was, I was looking at hiring this, this coach that I, I really was like, I don't know if I can afford her. This is really scary. And I wasn't sure if I should invest in myself. And at the same time, I was also going to go do this job. And so that really gave me this, this just bravery. Once I did that, nothing seemed that scary to me. I was, I was going to take another trip to Las Vegas in, in a, another month. And I was looking for things to do. And there's this thing where you could bungee off of this, this large building. And I watched it and I was like, <laughs> that's child's play. It just didn't seem frightening at all. Yeah, you just bounce. And as long as you keep your mouth closed, you won't lose your false teeth or the pieces, right? (laughs) I'm a Kiwi. That's where that stuff was invented and an adrenaline junkie. So I can commiserate. I love the analogy as well. Just jump, just jump. I've had four different careers and each one of them has been a moment in my life where it's, you need to do this. And then all my choices get taken away. But that lane I am a very creative person. I like lots of choices and I'm very curious. So I like to go explore. Well, I can kind of get lost in the flatlands of that if I'm not careful. So it's a great analogy. Yeah, for sure. It's it's interesting. What you just said was kind of curious to me where it does seem like sometimes when you've got this thing that you want to do and you're, you're, you're thinking about it and it maybe scares you a little bit, how just situations change where you're almost forced into that one course of action, right? Oh, absolutely. I argued my way into law school in four hours and had three weeks to leave to go to the other side of the world to a university that had a brand new law school. And I had to borrow a high school friend's mother to drive me to find the university. But 
as I said, all my paths closed down, but this, and I had my credit card, credit card was, was clear. So I was like, well, I'm gifting myself a year. <laughs> and four years later, I was practicing law and it took me on a fabulous career, absolutely fabulous career. And at the turn of the century, I was like, I don't want to be in the international corporate world anymore. So I was like thinking about what I now know is called the social enterprise law firm. But at the time, that was before any of this had been, you know, people had charities, they had foundations, but I wanted to create a chimera with a triple bottom line in terms of being able to practice law for traditional clients, but also provide pro bono, also provide education opportunities for people who wanted to be lawyers, but not necessarily traditional lawyers. And I was also very passionate about social and environmental issues. So 10 years later, I'd done over 3 million in pro bono work and transitioned the leadership out to the next generation and then went off to do my doctorate in, in leadership, global leadership. So for each of my degrees, I've been really shocked they actually let me in. <laughs> you know, and, and it's so funny because the doctorate I finished five years ago, you usually go on and do the book for the general public. And there were many reasons why I should have should have the book written. And now I'm podcasting and each time I do a topic from the doctorate, that transcription goes in the folder called the book. So yeah, not wanting to write. But I love the fact that you also referenced music because I wrote a song in 2012-ish and I have, I have, I love music. I play the piano really badly. I do more by ear. Um, just one of those people you don't want to hear playing. And I really love a piano that's out of tune because that's what I learned to play on at my granddad's. <laughs> oh yeah, we've all had those. Yeah, so coming out of the social enterprise, I had created enough. I did my master's in philanthropy, so I'd done a lot of research around the work I was doing socially and environmentally. And my heart was hurting so bad, my soul was saying, write a song. And of course, a mentor crossed my path and he said, you need to write a song. And it was a song that led me into the doctorate. So on the back of the social enterprise and the song, I got invited into a doctoral program. You just never know where these creative uh, moments might take you and the opportunities that are out there. I probably will never write another song, but you know, I definitely like lyrics. So the doctorate's a little bit lyrical as well. And then from the doctorate, rather than write the book, podcast. So you just never know where you're going to end up and how you can contribute and serve, right? That's very true. That actually makes me think of this, this story from, I went through a very painful divorce a few years back and I'm on the happy side of it now. Like everything is so much better. So this is not like a sad story. In fact, um, last week I got engaged and things couldn't be better. It's just like amazing how it's all turned out. But when I was in the worst of it, I, I had to let go of a lot of ways in which I thought my life was going to be dreams that, you know, me and my ex had and plans we had for the future. And I think sometimes we really, we think this is the very path we're going to take kind of like with me and my music career. Like I was, you know, I'm going to be a professional musician. This is what I'm going to do. And somehow I end up, you know, it came full circle. Now I'm helping musicians, but in a very different way, but I was restringing a guitar. So I needed new strings. I went to the music store and on the guitar rack, I thought I'd just kill some time and play a little guitar. There was this guitar that was broken. It had, uh, I was missing the tuning pegs in the headstock. The bridge had been busted and it wasn't strung. I think it was missing most of the hardware, but it was hand painted this flat, beautiful red and not like fully finished painting. It kind of had, uh, you can see the brush strokes in it, had a little bit of kind of the black underneath it in the, in the bout in the face of the guitar. And it just looked beautiful. It kind of looked like a, 
like a fiery piece. And I just had to have it. I, I thought it was the weirdest thing because it was amongst all these playable guitars that were, you know, at least like a hundred dollars and up, you know, which is not much for guitar, but this is a, a used guitar shop. And it's just had a little tag at $15. And I thought, well, I'll take that. And the thing was, it was like a symbol for me. I was thinking, okay, it was kind of like my life, how I felt that moment. Here's this broken thing whose intended purpose was to express beauty and art through sound, but it's broken now. And so somebody gave it a new purpose where now it's expressing visual beauty through the paint colors. And now it's a, a new type of work of art. And it really felt like kind of the direction I was taking with my life at that moment, how I, I, I thought my life was going to be this one thing. And in the brokenness of my situation, I found this new path and a new direction of what I was going to do with my life. And so that, that thing hangs in my living room as that reminder of that. What a beautiful symbol. Absolutely. Having been widowed and divorced, I can empathize. These, are, these can be very dark tunnels and how you come through that. You can either grow through it or go through it. If you grow through it, you turn the pain into wisdom. If you go through it, uh, you can have a lot of issues and a lot of therapy in your future if, you're, if you take some healthy choices. So I really appreciate like you know, you left your day job and what did you do first? Like, how did you move yourself into being your own business person and deal with all the sort of rebranding, growing audience, marketing and that? Well, fortunately, I had been working for an organization where the founder was really dialed into the digital marketing space. And she also, at the same time as me, was building a side hustle. She, in fact, she had hired me to help her launch one of her digital courses. She was writing a book and starting a nonprofit organization called Women Who Spark. So she's helping women in what she calls the midlife makeover, helping them basically regain their spark and find kind of their new purpose. And so working with her, people were, were seeing what I was doing in the online community and a few other people started, I started attracting more and more people. And so I had a small a small kind of audience starting to build and a small following and, and some results. So it wasn't like I was starting from scratch, fortunately. You know, the co-founder said, basically, anything you do in your side hustle helps our organization because you're learning from it. So go go ahead, do that as much as possible. And then when it came time, you know, when when the pandemic started and quarantine came in effect and the business was starting to hit a loss, we had to let go of some people. And I I, I talked to her and I said, you know, I hate to do this. And she's like, no, your your upside is is really with your own business. And so kind of had her blessing. And she's, she was always like a mentor and in some ways kind of like a mother to me. And um, we actually chatted a few weeks ago and she's like, you know, Glenn, had you not left, we would have had to let you go. So you made the right decision. And we would not have wanted to let you go, but we would have had to let you go. So kind of to your point about sometimes being forced into a path, you know, your path is made very clear. So essentially, you know, I, I started a platform. Well, one of them was podcasting. I did already have a YouTube channel, but the YouTube channel was a little unwieldy. It was a lot of work to just constantly make them. So I'd taken some time off of that. But I started a podcast to, to really, I use it as a way to, to get access to people that I wanted to talk to and start building relationships. And to me, that's one of the most important things when you're starting out is it's building relationships with people who they're on the same mission as you. You can look at them, look at them as your competitors, or you can say, hey, we're both serving the same audience and we're on mission together. And in doing so, it, it's opened up a lot of opportunities and helped me make a lot of connections by just meeting different people, adding value to them, and being able to actually leverage their audience by offering to be a thought leader in their space. Because a lot of a lot of thought leaders, 
it takes a lot of time to create a lot of content. And so they're looking for people to come along and share things with their audience that maybe they don't have expertise on. And so that's, that's a big part of it. That's a great point. I have a whole doctorate to share, but I've had messages saying, we want to hear from you, do more solo episodes. Well, as I mentioned, I go into that deep place of being curious and updating the content and doing lots of research. So a solo episode for me is a huge amount of hours and I have not managed to rein that in. And also I'm a people person, so I really like the in-person virtual time at the moment and as much in-person in the same place real time. So I can relate to what you said. So yeah, I've got to work on those solo episodes or capture things in such a way that it's redeploying. So every time I do all of this work, it can become evergreen content, I think it's called. And I believe you're a bit of a master in this space, Maestro. Share some thoughts. Yeah, well, uh, evergreen content is definitely one of one of my things. Uh, I could go in a lot of different dire- directions. I guess I'd, I'd say, you know, what would you like me to share about that? I'm going to leave it wide open because I think you've got a pretty good intuitive antenna there. And we're talking to leaders who are pivoting. What if you've got all this expertise? How can you channel it and not get lost in the halls of your expertise and updating it and exploring? Oh, that is a really great question. So whether you're you know, retiring and looking to go in another direction, which I've worked with some people in that, that way, or what you did previously has become obsolete and you have to you know, change what you're doing, or in some of the cases of some of the clients I've worked with, you know, the work you did is now currently on pause indefinitely. There's a lot of people who are realizing, I've got to do something with this expertise I had. Otherwise, I become sort of irrelevant. And the digital world is is the frontier for that. I'll give you an example. One of my most recent clients, Michelle Sobolczyk, Patnado, was on tour with Elvis Costello, my favorite songwriter. She's run Lab Sound for the likes of Janet Jackson, Gwen Stefani, Christina Aguilera, some of the biggest names in pop music. And to have that kind of clout and then all of a sudden have this pandemic just shut down the, you know, the, the, the touring industry and the music industry, what do you do? You know, you, you don't want to, I mean, you're, you're not exactly going to be qualified for a lot of other things that translate. So, you know, she was looking at not DoorDash, what do you call it? Like driving trucks for Amazon, she joked, but not without a little seriousness behind that. There is some merit to some people having to take these, these odd jobs. So a mutual friend of ours who has a uh, a digital course on music licensing said, you should make a digital course. And so she did. But the problem was her industry and her contacts and the people on her email list and the, the network she had, they were all out of work sound engineers too. So to create something that was based on her expertise in an area where other people couldn't really market that skill set or couldn't afford to invest in it just didn't seem the line. And so, you know, it didn't do that great. I think she she launched this one course for she made a thousand dollars. It's like, okay, that's great, but it didn't pay for the service she hosted it on. And so when her mutual friend basically said, hey, you should talk to Glenn, you know, he can help you, you know, remarket this thing and launch it properly. He and I both said, you know, you should really partner with some people that can actually their audience is poised to use this information. And for a lot of people, there are audiences out there that that can still make money and be marketable with something you have to do. And what we realized was there's a lot of musicians right now who are selling their music to TV and film and video games, and they're able to do it from home. But the skills that they don't have is hers, which is equalization and frequency and producing music. So it sounds 
radio or TV ready. And so basically she, she partnered with somebody who had that audience who taught, here's how you make your money licensing. It's called sync licensing, licensing your music. And here's her who comes along who's got this product that fills that gap. And, you know, doing that was a, you know, I think they did like a $17,000 launch the first time. And what's great is she can keep partnering with people that have these audiences and keep repeating that. The key there though, is it's really having, it's being clear on who it is that has something that you can teach them and then having a very simple repeatable process. And so we came up with this thing, you know, this goes back to my songwriting thing. Like I like to be creative and I come up with these little things. Her process needed to be like simple and repeatable. And I said, how do you help people get results? She goes, well, the first thing we do in the course is I I do a bunch of listening exercises. And then once they do these exercises, they're going to start to kind of be able to identify out of thin air, you know, what those frequencies are. And then once they know that, they need to know how to manipulate them to make things sound better. So I'm like, okay, hearing them, knowing what they are, it's identifying, and then they got to manipulate or tweak them. And I was like, here, identify, tweak, H-I-T, hit. Okay, you're going to call it the hit production process to make your music sound like a hit song. And now she has this very simple, repeatable thing that she can, everywhere she goes on a podcast, somebody else's group, on her sales page, it's, it's just, it's very crystal clear what the process is. And she can teach people the process everywhere she goes. And if they want to work with her, well, she has products that will help you learn the process quickly. I think that's really important. A lot of people aren't clear initially on like, who do they help, how, and what's that process? Wow. That was simply brilliant. So what is your why? Why do you do what you do and where are you going from here? Why do I do what I do? Yes. So I don't know what it is. There's just something in me that has always wanted to have. I think a lot of us want. We want freedom and independence to follow the things that make us curious and make us, you know, that give us passion. And I've always been a lifelong learner. I'm just obsessed with learning. That's why I invested so much money in digital courses. Anytime I want to learn something, buy a digital course. And being able to help other people, I get to watch all their digital courses for free. And I mean, that's that's maybe a part of it. And I get to help people help other people to learn things and to change their lives. And so I love what I do because it's got this great ripple effect. Like I help this one music musician. She teaches largely women how to produce music so that they don't have to go into the studio and feel like these men don't listen to their ideas and don't take them into consideration. It gives women the power to basically take their music back in their own hands and and to be able to speak on a technical level and really intelligently know how to make their own songs. And she told me that after, you know, she had a very successful launch. It was, I mean, she did like a $300,000 a year her first year. It was, it, was, it was crazy. She told me that she's been invited on panels to, to speak and she's all of a sudden this expert. People are seeking her out. And she said, you know, she had people lining up to talk to her tearfully saying, you know, your, your course, your program has changed my life and what I do. And so to hear what I'm doing impacts my client, but then it, it impacts her client. I can do so much more good in the world doing this sort of thing. And so what was amazing about the experience is not only was the, the clients' clients helped, but also I get this joy of, of hearing some of the life changes that have happened as a result of this. With the one client I talked about, Michelle, you know, she didn't have to, you know, get a job, you know, driving trucks, as we joked. For this client I'm talking about now, Chris, she actually was able to pay off all of her debt. She had a dream of always moving 
to some oceanside property. She was able to do that. She just bought a new vehicle. She, when we started, she she was bankrolling on credit cards. Like she hired me on a credit card, and she had I think twenty five dollars in the bank. So it's amazing what you can do when what you do serves other people. That's that's my why. Is I love to help people and I love to teach people. Thank you, Glenn. I'm just so appreciative of how you do contribute in the world. So this is your moment. Please share about how audience can, you know, how the audience can engage or use your services. I will have all the details in the show notes for you, but feel free to tell them what you do and how, how they can connect and what you would like to do with people. A lot of the work I do with people is one of two things. I'm helping somebody completely rebrand and reposition. You know, it's, it's everything from web design to copywriting to the offers, the free offers and the paid offers. But some people come to me and they've already got, you know, some kind of course or offer and I'm also helping them market and launch that. And so if anybody is in that kind of that position or they're interested in working with me, you can learn about me at theglennallenshow.com and, you know, check out my work with me page. Thank you, Glenn. I will have all the details in the show notes because I love your passion, purpose, why and presence in the world. Thank you. Dr. Michelle St. Jane is a conscious steward of meaningful leadership in the world and the wider cosmos. Tune in every Thursday for real talk around life, leadership, and your conscious journey. Be ready to create and cultivate your dreams and soul-hearted desires. Your support is valued. Please subscribe. Leave a review and a rating. But more importantly, share with your connections.